0: Well, when I was a little boy sitting on my mama's knee.
1: Hello. Welcome to Going Deeper. My name is Marcy Sklove, and it is quite a time we are having right now in October 2020. We are battling a pandemic and staying home, that's why we are here on Zoom today. Over 210,000 Americans have died from COVID-19. We are three weeks away from the presidential election and our current president and many top officials are sick with the virus. Every day we have more unbelievable news. Just yesterday, members of a white supremacist militia group were arrested for plotting to kidnap the the governor of Michigan. You could not make this stuff up. So we carry on finding beauty and hope wherever we can. And that is why I am so happy today to be sitting with Dr. Ruth Bass Green, an active educator, teacher of piano and voice, and a church musician. She has served underprivileged and privileged students of diverse age, race, and gender for 50 years, over 50 years. Ruth is also the founder of the Hazel Catherine Bass Music Institute. And she is retired from Mount Holyoke College where she was Dean of Sophomore Studies and Multicultural Affairs and a lecturer in the Psychology and Education Departments. So we will be hearing music and about Ruth's life and her wonderful contributions. Welcome, Ruth. I'm so happy to be with you. We tried for months to do this. And finally, today's the day. Welcome.
0: Thank you, Marcy, for that nice welcome. I'm excited, too, and ready to get started.
1: Great, great. So um, why don't you just kind of set the mood with one of the beautiful uh, spirituals that comes from your CD that um, that you created called Spirituals, Reflections and Meditation.
0: The one that I want to play right now is by Duke Ellington. And I think this particular song is very, very important in times like we are having now with all the hate, and the anger and the fear that is going on in our world and with communities of people of color and white people and brown people and so on. And so Duke Ellington wrote the song, Come Sunday. And the lyrics in that song that really penetrate with me is the song says, Lord, Dear Lord above, God of mercy, God of love, please look down and see my people through.
1: You know, Ruth, um, when I was preparing for this interview and just to kind of get in the mood, I turned on your CD. And I tell you just instantly, my parasympathetic nervous system just calmed down. All of my like anxiety and too much internet, too much Zoom too much news, all of the things that are keeping us all like so uptight. Just calm down. And that's the experience I'm having right now with that beautiful song. Thank you for that.
0: Well, it's interesting that you say that the music helps to calm you down because that is the comment that I get and the feedback that I get all the time. Yeah. And what's fascinating is many people say they love to drive and travel with the CD because again, (laughs) it helps them to be calm and in a nice, a nice contented place, but also very safe place.
1: Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. So I'd like to start the, you know, the, the conversation by asking you about your early life and what in your early life, like you have these sisters and this, this prominent father and the church and music and all of the things that made up your childhood. And how did that inform this path that your life took?
0: Well, you know, it's fascinating. When I think back about my life, I lived a very rich and full life. Mm. There, I have four other sisters. Uh, the oldest one is Connie, and then I come next. And under me is Rosemary, and under Rosemary is Lois, and under Lois is Joyce. And all five of us grew up singing together, playing instruments. What I have to thank my mother for and my father was that they saw to it that all five daughters learned how to play the piano, the violin, and Mm -hmm. sing. Mm -hmm. And what was also very interesting is that because my father was a minister, and, and when I think about my dad as a minister, um, and the fact that he became a fundamentalist minister at the most critical age of me, turning 16. Mm-hmm. And I had been looking forward to the idea of wearing makeup, going to my prom, and doing all of the things of the world, as the church people would call it. And then my father becomes a minister. But that's a whole nother story. What I want to <laughs> stay on is how was the case that we were all very happy people. My father's father was the first dairy farmer in Chachilla, California. Hmm. So we used to drive with my dad and mom to Chachilla to my grandfather's dairy farm. Not only did they have cows, <laughs> but they also have the fruits, the the um, vegetables and all the farm kind of food and so on. So I we experienced a life of, of um of good food,
1: mm-hmm.
0: a life of um I never wanted for anything. Wow. And I always thought that we were very wealthy people.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But
0: it wasn't until I took a class at California, Los Angeles City College, and they talked about income, the number of me- family members, and so forth and so on. That was when I learned that we were considered to be low-class people when our cl- we were truly seeing ourselves as upper class. Sure. and. We- in that way.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, here we are in New England and, you know, the Amherst area, both of us are in Amherst. And, uh, so, you know, when I think of what I know about California and just the richness of the, the land, the food, the climate, you know, and to hear that your grandfather was a farmer, a dairy farmer, Sure, it makes perfect sense that you were full of abundance that you yes. were you did come from richness. Right. It's just this other weird categorizing of money income. Right. That was what made people in these slots.
0: Right. Yes, you're yeah. right. Yeah.
1: So who was Hazel Catherine Bass?
0: Hazel Catherine Bass is my mother.
1: Okay. Because, you know, you started the Hazel Catherine Bass Institute for the Arts, you and your sisters.
0: Right. And and we did that in honor of our mother. Okay. Who okay. was our first musician. Yeah. And who was the first one to help us to know and understand the value and importance of music. Not only <laughs> um, just ch- church hymns, we also went to the opera, she, ex- so my parents exposed us to a wide range. Of
1: yeah. Re- yeah. So I'm thinking too, like when you were 16, okay. So you were born in 1939. Yes. So it, when you were 16, that was 1955. Yes. So 16 wanting to, you know, step out a little make up, all of that. But it was also kind of the beginning of the civil rights era, right? I mean, were you having any sort of pushback with your father related to activism or any of those things?
0: It's really fascinating that you asked me that question because when I think about it, we were so what i what how do I describe my family so about being positive, mm. so about seeing ourselves as very special people and individuals, but seeing ourselves as not protesters.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It was my Aunt Hattie Caldwell who helped me to understand why people were protesting.
1: Mm -hmm,
0: mm -hmm. It was my Aunt Hattie who helped me to know that having an Afro was right on. Mm -hmm. It was my Aunt Hattie who smoked cigarettes. (laughs)
1: Let
0: me know, hey, that's something that I could do. Right. It was my Aunt Hattie who drank wine And again, that was an area that I could relate to that, of course, my parents would not want me to smoke cigarettes. Right. They would not want me to drink wine. Right. They did not want me to go to the prom and all of the high school baseball and football games and stuff like that. I was to not attend to anything that was worldwide
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. outside
0: of the pure religious thinking that they had at that time.
1: So, so you grew up in LA, right? Right. So was your community, your neighborhood segregated in LA or did you go to a mixed school? Actually,
0: our neighborhood was very diverse, Mm -hmm. but primarily black families. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: And the schools that I went to, were all diverse too, but primarily black teachers.
1: Oh my gosh! And That's amazingly good. <laughs> yeah,
0: really. Yeah. And so, um, it was a case that well, life was different back then. Mm. People were more civilized.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: People were more able to be kind and not so. Mean and uncivil as they are today. And so the community where I grew up was one whereby, hey, people looked out for each other, Mm. respected each other, and so on.
1: There was, though, at that time, you know, there was still severe racism going on. Oh, yeah. But it doesn't sound like you had that experience in your own community. Is that, or did you have, did you experience race and your family experience racism firsthand?
0: When I think about how my family experienced racism firsthand, I can tell you that my father left Oklahoma Mm. because of a situation that he was put in where a white man did something and my father did not let that happen. In, in other words, he fought back. Yeah. When I think about my dad, I remember the incident where we were at Griffith Park. That was a park in the, in the area in, in Los Angeles whereby we loved going there because they had the observatory. We could go to the observatory and uh, see all the beautiful um, things relative to the the stars and the (laughs) planets and and so forth. And so what what I can tell you is that it seems as though my family always integrated. Mm -hmm. And so we were taken to places where there was primarily white people. But we felt as though, you know, we can go wherever we want to go and do whatever we want to do and eat wherever we wanted to eat, wow. what, what have you, you know? And so this white man said something to my dad about one of my sisters who I guess had gotten in his way at some point. And my mother and, my, and her sister had to calm my dad down and said, hey, no, 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 daddy, just, just back off, just back off. So there were incidents and cases whereby we had experienced racism, but we knew how to handle it and deal with it.
1: Yeah. So that that incident that happened, it was in Oklahoma? Were you it was well, in uh, no,
0: my father is from was in Oklahoma.
1: Uh-huh. And my
0: father migrated to Los Angeles.
1: Okay. So he was part of the, you know, the Great Migration. Yes. That big story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So when this man got upset with your sister and then your father got, you know, that happened in California though, not yes, in Oklahoma. It
0: happened, it, it happened at Griffith Park in California.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, it sounds a little bit like some of it, your different experience from, let's say, the people who stayed in the South was partly because California was, was somewhat different that right. you, you know, that you had these neighborhoods and these communities of integrated communities where people were civil and they were respectful of each other. And um, yeah. And that there was more, you know, there was just more self self-esteem and self, lifting up, you know, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so tell us about the Hazel Catherine Bass Institute for the Arts, like, you, what was you yours, your vision, when you created that?
0: We created that in honor of our mother. And also, in order to give opportunities to students, whose parents could not afford for them to take music lessons Mm
1: -hmm. so
0: that we would be the ones that would teach them how to read music, how to play their instruments, and so on. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: so that was the gift that we felt from our mother to extend to members of the community, Mm -hmm. especially when many of the elementary, junior high, and high schools eliminated the arts programs from their schools right and so we wanted to fill that gap and it was the case that um, the music teacher at our elementary school was the one who introduced us to the Nutcracker Suite And she was the one that introduced us to many classical pieces.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So we, as a family, wanted to be able to provide opportunities to individuals or families that cannot afford to send their kids to a private school for the, those kind of lessons. And so that's, that was the whole goal and purpose. That is the whole goal and purpose for the Hazel Catherine Bass Institute for the Arts.
1: So I saw on the website that a lot of your performances and your activities, annual activities and things, it's it's like some of them happen in California, yes. And some of them happen at the Lutheran Church here in Amherst, or at least right. we have yes. So are you using that uh, that platform? You know that organization. Um, here in Amherst as well to teach young people and a different a- different ages of people music in the same philosophy.
0: Yes, I most definitely am. Mm. And I have um, the, the Lutheran Church in Amherst to, to thank for allowing me to use their space for our recitals. We always have an annual recital in November and we get to go to that church and present our students in recital. And if you go on our website, you can see some of our students perform.
1: Oh, okay. Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. So speaking of performing, would you like to play another song for us from your CD? (laughs) Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about Amazing Grace?
0: Wow. That Amazing Grace is a fascinating um, song by John Newton. And what's fascinating is that John Newton is a white man who was a a captain of a ship that would ship enslaved people to different places uh, where they would be enslaved. And the amazing grace of it is that At some point he realized, John Newton realized that what he was doing was not a good thing. And so he stopped shipping people to places enslaved to be enslaved. And Amazing Grace is the hymn that he wrote in order to cleanse himself of the horrible kinds of things that he did to contribute to slavery. And I will play my arrangement of Amazing Grace
1: Now, recently I heard you tell a story about, I think it's about this song, that it was done on the Black Keys. Right. <laughs> Whitney Pips talks about that. Tell that yes.
0: story. I love that. He he, he, he uh, talks about how it's the case that... Um, this older um elderly black woman at his church said him know that all most of all the spirituals are written on all the black keys and based on the pentatonic scale so i'll play the black keys for you So that's one spiritual.
1: Wow. Yeah. Swing, swing low. Right.
0: Sweet cherry. Coming for to carry me home. Swing low. Sweet cherry. Coming for to carry me
1: home. all a kind of a haunting quality a warm deep haunting quality right right I love that yes Uh, that's amazing so I'm curious to hear more about Aunt Hattie because moving into your 20s and on first of all when did you well I won't ask about that yet but Moving into your 20s and on and getting into the 60s, the 1960s, and the civil rights movement, I can imagine that Aunt Hattie was more aware, uh, involved, participating, I don't know on what level, and that your parents might have been still very worried about you uh, and your sisters. Is that what, to, well, what happened? My daddy
0: was more um, aware about the issues of race than I think my parents.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think my parents really blended and identified with the, the white race.
1: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Um, my father was a Republican My whole family was Republican. I was a Republican until Obama ran. And that's when I had a conversation with my father and I said, daddy, I gotta let the Republicans go because I wanted to vote for Obama in the primary.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: that's when I went and changed my status as a Republican.
1: How did he react?
0: Oh, my father was dead. Oh,
1: <laughs> I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, he was dead at the time.
1: So he didn't like turn over or anything. I, no, no, <laughs> no,
0: no, no, I should have been clearer about that. No, really. So, um I, I, again, like I said, my my parents really wanted to be non-confrontational, and, mm. and, and also identified themselves as individuals who were conservative. Mm. Wow. Who um, always did the right thing. And, and and the reason that my father became a Republican was because at a certain point in time in history, the Republicans were the ones right. who invited Blacks to be a part of their party.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, that was the history back then. Yeah. Yeah. So what what shifted that brought you out here to New England?
0: My Aunt Hattie. <laughs>
1: I love this woman. I'm telling you, I haven't heard anything about her before.
0: (laughs) Because she was the one that helped me to understand that I needed to get my education. Wow. She was the one that decided that I should go to Pasadena Nazarene College. Mm -hmm. So I moved into the house with my I'm Hattie and my uncle, Uncle George. I moved into their Spanish stucco house that my uncle George built himself. Wow. And the house is on Washington Street and the house is walking distance to the Rose Bowl. What? Yes.
1: That's amazing.
0: And so it's funny that uh when the rose Bowl parade would happen, my uncle would open up his space on his tennis court for people to park their cars. Yeah. So wow. uh, I I was always excited to um go and help you know, folks, to park the car. But anyway, I think I'm getting off the point now. Where am I supposed to be going with this, Mark? No,
1: I. We were talking about how you got here. So you started out oh, at the Nazareth. Right. Um,
0: yeah.
1: Pasadena Nazarene Pasadena, Yeah.
0: And, and um, it turned out that I needed um, financial assistance, and so I. Um, applied for a financial assistance. And what I was given was a job as a mother's helper at, at a white family who lived in Pasadena.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it, <laughs> as it was, the mother wanted me to do more things than I was capable of doing. She wanted me to cook the dinners. She wanted me to clean the clothes. She wanted me to clean the house and had all of these things that I I didn't even know how to cook. I didn't know how to clean clothes. All that stuff was done for me. Yeah, yeah. And so I said to her, you know, I have to, I can't work for you anymore. And she said, excuse me, how are you going to get a job? Who's going to hire you? I said, well, I will soon find out. But what I know that I'm not going to work for you any longer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And
0: that's when I quit that job. And it was the case that at Pasadena Nazarene College, that's when I was able to demonstrate my gifts as a musician.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: And I am definitely impressed them. And all of the people there was just like, whoa, because I had perfect pitch. Mm. And and so the, the opportunity for me to come to the University of Massachusetts School of Education happened. My dear friend, Carol Ann Prudhomme, was a sister-in-law to Atron Gentry,
1: Hmm.
0: who was a Dean of Education at the University of Massachusetts, Amherst. And so I was able to move from Pasadena to Amherst, Massachusetts.
1: How old about were you then? How old? That was in
0: 1971.
1: Okay. And so I was in
0: my (laughs) thirties.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that's when I moved to Amherst and I am still here.
1: Yeah. So you got your, uh, that was your master's and then you got your PhD. Right. Here also.
0: But I had gone to California state university where I got my uh, BA in music education.
1: Yeah. 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 And you did a lot of work with Head Start.
0: Oh, yeah. I was a Head Start teacher. The very first program in Pasadena. Wow. And um, it was my uh, supervisor, education supervisor, was the one who recognized my gift as a teacher and using the arts as a mechanism to increase the scale, uh, increase the, the, um, vocabulary yeah. of the, uh, Head Start children. And she recommended me to work at Pacific Oaks college, hmm. which is a major college for preschool teachers
1: hmm.
0: and so I got the opportunity to work there and teach Head Start teachers how to use mu- music, movement, and singing and instruments in the classroom. It's
1: fantastic. It's yeah. fantastic. Wow. Wow. So... Um, I wanna just talk a little bit about where we're at right now. Okay. And, you know, I mean, I opened with a whole bunch of things that are happening that are just off the charts, crazy, horrible. And uh, and yet there is so much powerful, good stuff happening now to uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, the, the protests where more white people are showing up to support and be part of the Black Lives Matter movement, um, more solidarity in that way. And in some funny way, I heard someone this morning talk about a benefit of COVID was her appreciation of nature. Mm. and how she never really noticed when she was so busy with her life and now she really like loves to get herself out in nature right and um so i you know i'm always looking for the silver linings i'm always looking for the positive things that are coming out of this time but i would just love to hear about your reflections um about where we're at and politically or in terms of social issues or what, whatever you, however you want to take it. Um you know, I am
0: very grateful for the life that I lived. I am very grateful to all of the people who had influence and helped me to become who I am. Mm-hmm. And it has to do with my family members my church members, my teachers,
1: mm.
0: all of those individuals who in my life were the ones that helped me to be who I am. And I, I really give a lot of credit to my mother.
1: Mm.
0: And because when I think about how it was a case that my mother was the one who knew how to help her daughters understand their value their value of not letting a man take advantage of them, Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm. their
0: value in being true to themselves. And so I even wrote a piece about my mother. Uh, It was the case that she was the one that when I told her that the violin teacher was touching my breasts, the violin teacher was fired, that the dentist likewise had touched my breath the dentist was fired and so there were things that were happening in our in our world that's happening now and and did you read about and hear about yeah and so my mother knew how to take care how to protect us
1: wonderful wonderful and and so
0: that's why i when i I think the thing that I'm feeling right now as I deal with the, the plagues and the, 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 the COVID stuff, COVID is unveiling a lot of our history,
1: mm-hmm. the
0: history for Black and brown people and the history for women.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And so the truth will be known. What The truth is coming out. And we're being exposed to things that are not real, but are real for some people because of the hate that they have in their hearts. And, you know, some days I say to myself, boy, what is it about Black people and brown people that white people don't like and don't understand? What is that about? Where does that come from? Yeah. And I say to myself, it comes from a place where they don't like themselves. Mm. Anybody that has that much hate in them does not like themselves.
1: Yeah.
0: It, 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 wow. They're not happy. Yeah. And, and, and people seek pain. Mm. In, um <laughs> when your life is good, You are good and you spread it, that goodness. But when you're suffering, other people will suffer as well.
1: Right, right. I can just only imagine, since I haven't formally met your children and grandchildren, I can just only imagine how you have imparted all of this wisdom to them.
0: I did my best. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I guess that's all we we can do
0: And they love their Nana. Oh, yeah. Yes, they do. Yes. As a matter of fact, Eli, my grandson, was the one that put the hardwood floors in my living room, dining room and kitchen and created this other situation for me where I found out My music, as I play my piano, bounces off and echoes. Right,
1: right, right. I have to
0: make some different changes in the house. But no, I have beautiful, beautiful grandchildren, and I'm very proud of them and the things that they're doing to make a difference in the world
1: Mm.
0: and in their lives.
1: Yeah, yeah. So how about we hear about the song, Oh Freedom?
0: Oh, okay. That song is what we all should be looking forward to. Yes. Because it's the song in terms of the civil rights movement where they were saying, Oh freedom, Oh freedom, Oh freedom for me. You won't bury me in the grave because I will be free. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, I'm not saying the lyrics as they are, but I will play it for you, okay? Thank
1: you, that'd be great. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Ruth, what else would you like to say to people?
0: What I'd like to tell people is that it's love that's going to make the difference. Mm-hmm. We have to learn how to love ourselves so that we can love each other. And when I say love yourself, I'm not talking about it in a narcissistic kind of way. I am speaking about it in a very healthy kind of way Mm -hmm. so that you take care of yourself in such a manner that you feel healthy. You feel strong. You like who you are. Mm -hmm. You're not angry at your mom and your dad. You've forgiven whatever, whoever messed with you and messed over you. You have to learn how to love. You have to. First, you have to learn how to forgive too. Mm. And I think the loving is, a, is sort of the thing that helps turn you around yeah. so that you will be in a place where you can forgive. It doesn't mean that you forget necessarily either. Right. right. It means that you have a better understanding of who you are and how you fit into this big family of people in the, your community. Yeah. And in the world.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think those are great words of wisdom. Great words of wisdom. Thank you so much. Um, gosh, I, I feel like, you know, we're coming to a close here with the interview and, uh, I just wonder if, if there's one more song you'd love to sing for us or, or at least play for us. You know what came to mind? Tell Dona
0: us. Nobi's Potchum.
1: That would be beautiful.
0: Grant be beautiful. us peace. Okay?
1: Okay. My goodness, Ruth, thank you so much. I really, really am so grateful that you took the time and effort to do this with me and for us to create this, this interview together.
0: Thank you, Marcy, for asking me. Yeah, I was nervous about this whole thing, but I'm okay now. You feel
1: okay? <laughs> I'm okay, and I'm
0: glad that we were able to do it. I appreciate it. Oh. How you felt about my music? Yeah, and my mission. Yeah, with the Hazel Kathryn yeah. Bass Institute for the Arts, and and, I, and people can go online to HCD Institute for the Arts, and yeah, see my family and all of that.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, and buy the CD. It's called right. Spirituals, Reflections, and Meditation, and we'll put up a little a little, um, template for it, uh, in the credits for the show. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So before we close, I also really want to thank the, uh, Greenfield community television folks. Yes. They are organizing all of this. I also want to put a shout out to Amherst media who offered some lighting to Ruth and Dee Shabazz, who helped to really put this together for Ruth. And um, this and all of the other interviews that I have done can be seen on marcysklove.com, which is my website. And uh, just everybody stay safe, wear a mask, (laughs) show your love for the world and uh, take it in. Thanks, Ruth.
0: Thank you, Marcy.
1: And see you all next time on Going Deeper. Okay.